How was your experience of going to, to study and live in Poland while you were 16? Was there a culture shock? After like after a few months of stay, I, I started to study Polish very seriously. I wonder, uh, are all Japanese people like you? I think for most Japanese people, their world is just created in only in Japan. So for the people, let's say, who today or maybe in the future decides to learn Japanese, what kind of advice as a Japanese speaker uh, could you give me? Well, at first I would say find your friends from Japan. Good evening, Kotaro. Good evening. Uh, I'm very happy that you decided to join in today, even though it's already night in Japan. Thank you. Thank you for having me anyway. For those who don't yet know, Kotaro is a very interesting person. He managed to learn so many different languages in a short period of time, uh, some of them being uh, English, Lithuanian, Polish, Ukrainian, uh, Russian, and so on. So, Kotaro, how did you start learning languages? Well, at first, I I get into uh, getting interest get interested in like music, mm -hmm. like for music. Um, at first, I I started to listen to, of course, English music, and then uh, when I was a high school student, I had a chance to go to Poland, and from them. I got interested in Polish language, and mm -hmm. at first, I, I I started to listen to Polish music to know that to know how it sounds like, and yes, and, and I and I really liked it. And um, as I know Polish, I also got into other Slavic languages like Russian, Ukrainian, and. About Lithuanian, it's also the same thing. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, it's very interesting that while you were in high school, you had the possibility to travel to Poland. So how did that happen? Well, um, actually, my high school um, exchanges students every year uh, with uh, many countries. And in my year, it was Poland. And but actually at that time I didn't know anything about Poland, but I. But then I had never been to foreign countries, so I really wanted to. And how old were you then? Uh, sixteen. Sixteen years old. Okay, that's interesting. That's if I was sixteen and I was able to go and live and study in Japan, that would have been quite an experience. So, yes. so how was your experience of going to, to study and live in Poland while you were 16? Was there a culture shock that you experienced? Uh, how did you feel? Well, my first impression about Poland was really good, actually. Um, I, lived in, uh, I lived in a Polish city called Wrocław, and it is mm -hmm. actually... It is a city which is located um, in the western part of Poland. And 
buildings. Well, the city itself is really beautiful with the、um, like German influenced buildings. Like、mm-hmm. very like for me, it it was like it was very European European things, and、um, well, it was very beautiful, and I was totally. Attracted by that, yeah,、mm-hmm. I really liked it, and、um, I w- I wasn't that shocked at that time because everything was new, everything was new, and I was so excited, and I really enjoyed at first for the first few months, I think. And what happened after the first two months?、Uh, did your experience change a little bit? Maybe you started becoming a little bit homesick,、uh, or did it continue in the same way?、Mm, well, I think I I started to get bored, like after a few months. Yeah, as I as I got used to the life, and.、Um, At that time, I couldn't speak Polish at all. So, well, actually, I was in Poland as an exchange student, and、uh, I I went to high school, Polish high school. So,、uh, all of my classmates were Polish.、Mm-hmm. So I had to. Well, at first, for、uh, for the first few months, like everyone was very curious and.、Um, Talked to me, spoke to me a lot, many times. But later, as they got used to it, like they <laughs> they stopped to like speak to me, like and、um, yeah. yeah. So I I started to get bored, and I at that time I also couldn't speak English that well. So well, I I I started to feel kind of lonely <laughs> in that environment. Yeah. But in what kind of language did you study、uh, while you were in Poland? Did you were the classes in English or were they in Polish? Or I don't believe they were in Japanese, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, all classes were in Polish. Wow, that's crazy. So you went to study in Poland as an exchange student,、uh, learning in Polish、uh, without knowing the language. That's extreme and.、Uh, Did the same happen for the people who came, let's say, from Poland to Japan as exchange students? They also studied in Japanese in, Jap- in Japanese language. Yes,、um, actually, that Polish、uh, boy actually、uh, went to Japan, and、uh, but he was he he used to study Japanese, so he could speak kind of well, kind of well in Japanese. So he didn't. It seems. That he didn't have many problems like me, because he knew that、mm-hmm. he knew Japanese already. So, okay. And how long did you stay in Poland the first time that you went? Was it a semester?、Uh, for a year. For a year. Okay. Yes. So after a year of、uh, being in Poland,、uh, how much Polish did you learn back then? Well, at the end,、um, I could manage to speak, uh, make conversation 
like a little conversation with Polish people in Polish, mm -hmm. in only Polish. After like after a few months of stay, I I started to study Polish very seriously because yeah. <laughs> because I I didn't want to be <laughs> lonely so in that of environment course. so yeah I had I had to I was for, I was kind of forced to study Polish <laughs> and uh, right. actually I at that time I I stayed at I stayed at a few host families and. From the second host family, um, like the the family members spoke to me only in Polish. Okay. So interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I I practice a lot. I practiced a lot. Okay. So after a year, you returned to Japan, and probably mm -hmm. you graduated uh, high school. And uh, when you came back to Japan, did you continue learning Polish, or then maybe you? stopped or maybe you started learning a new language so what happened when you came back to japan well actually i didn't stop to learn polish but at that time um, i thought i had to study english more because my <laughs> english was my english skill was really poor at that time so after graduating high school i went to um I went to an English school for a year mm -hmm. to seriously study that language. And which one was easier for you to pick up? Uh, was it Polish or English? Well, I think um, it's hard to say. Maybe out of that time, English maybe? Because actually, when I was in Poland, I, I studied Polish in English. Yeah. <laughs> I bought yeah, I bought textbooks there which uh, which which were written in English. So then I I was studying like Polish and at the same time I was also studying English. Two and one for sure. Yeah. And when did uh, other languages uh, started uh, when did you start studying other languages? like Lithuanian, Ukrainian, Russian, when did this study begin? Well, actually, I started to learn Ukrainian when I was still in Poland. Okay. I don't really remember how I got interested in Ukraine, but um, maybe from the music. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like mm, I already want to study that language. Yeah. So yeah, I studied, I started to study that language like at the same time when I was all, still <laughs> learning Polish and English. And uh, did you start uh, studying Ukrainian on your own uh, or mm -hmm. did you start learning it uh, while you were at school in Poland or was it self-study? Yeah, self-study. Yeah, about Ukrainian, it was totally self-study. And from what I know, you have learned Lithuanian also by self-study. So you mm -hmm. learned it totally by yourself. Yes. You never attended any formal classes with teachers. You just uh, bought some student books, you bought some vocabularies, and you just started mm -hmm. learning. So 
like for me, for a person that uh, I have, I had problems studying Lithuanian at school. Like mm -hmm. we ourselves, Lithuanians, had it very difficult at school with Lithuanian language. <laughs> so to to imagine that uh, a guy in Japan that's just started buying books and learning on his own is like uh, it, it's uh, it's um it's unimaginable <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> but uh, but it's very cool. It's very amazing. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about your Lithuanian study. Uh, did you start studying and then uh, you just booked a ticket to Lithuania one day and you went uh, mm -hmm. to Lithuania and continue studying there? Like, how did your Lithuanian language evolved over time? Well, at first I studied to Lithuanian language Actually, exactly 10 years ago, I started. And uh, at first, I bought textbooks, which were written in Japanese. Actually, I don't know why, but somehow in Japan, we've got good textbooks of Lithuanian language. So, cool. yeah. And yeah, at first, I always used only textbooks. And later... Uh, I bought a quite big dictionary in Lithuania. Well, at first I was I was just studying Lithuanian uh, with textbooks, dictionaries, and later I started to communicate with Lithuanian people through the internet, mm -hmm. like something like Penpal sites, mm -hmm. and I and I got some Lithuanian friends there and I started to write with them in Lithuanian language so, okay yeah and I and I yeah and I learned a lot from that from that like, I was always uh, writing messages using dictionaries and textbooks and I and in that way I learned grammar vocabulary and so on and about the pronunciation, I, I learned from the music. Uh, I, I really like to sing, so I, I tried to sing in Lithuanian, and in that way, I learned. Okay, good. So you just uh, started with textbooks, and then you started talking with people, listening to music, mm -hmm. and uh, you just kept on studying. But also, yes. uh, in some point of your study, I saw that you started making videos in Lithuanian. And when I watched your first video on YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, I think I remember that you have said that uh, you're starting this channel uh, for you to get better at speaking Lithuanian as well. Uh -huh. So it was like yes, yes. one of the ideas that it will help you to uh, speak more and, uh, and, and get better at speaking. So yeah. uh, how was how was it? Did it actually help you to get better at speaking while you were making the videos? Did you have to do mm -hmm. a lot of editing or did you speak and then just after finish, you stop record and upload to YouTube? Well, I think as far as I remember, at first, um, I didn't any editings, I think. I just spoke to I don't to think camera. so either. Yeah, I just spoke to camera and uh, right away I uploaded on the internet. 
And what was the feedback from people? Most people actually wrote that, like, you speak Lithuanian very well, like, congratulations, and, or something like that. Like, they were, Lithuanian people are always happy, like, when they, <laughs> when they listen to, like, for, foreigners speaking in Lithuanian. So, yeah, quite positive. That's true. Very good. And when was the first time that you visited Lithuania? Uh, it was also actually exactly 10 years ago. Like at that time, um, I, I was writing with the Lithuanian girl, which I met on internet. And um, yeah, and I, and I went to Lithuania and she shown me, shown me around like Venus. Yeah. It was the first time. So the first time that you visited Lithuania, you visited Vilnius, and uh, did you stay in Vilnius mainly? Well, well, yes, mainly in Vilnius, and uh, also I went to other cities by by myself alone, like Shole, Klaipeda, and that's all I think. Yeah. Okay, so uh, having lived in Poland already as a high school student. And then after some time, uh, coming to Lithuania, uh, was it very different from Wroclaw, visiting Vilnius, Shole, other cities, uh, or was uh, your feeling similar to when you visited Poland? Well, actually, when I visited Vilnius, I, I was kind of shocked that, uh, well, I was in the old, old town, old city, uh -huh. And and I felt kind of um, maybe at first I I was kind of nervous like because lots of lots of buildings like old there are all there are lots of old buildings and um, they were kind of um, how can I say in between like atroda. Abandoned. Well, kind of, kind of. Yeah, like uh, walls are kind of broken. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, while you were in Wroclaw, uh, you didn't see those that many kind of like uh, older buildings, graffitis and so on. Well, at least, at least in the center, at least in the center of Wroclaw, well, there are not that many. Mostly are refurbished. So, so when you visit Lithuania after those uh, 10 years, like when you came the first time, uh, mm -hmm. did the scenery change from what you saw the first time or did it remain more or less the same? Well, I think remains the same mostly, maybe. But some parts, of course, has cha have changed. And I, and I saw that there are more like tall buildings new buildings built yeah 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 some of them are and uh, from visiting lithuania uh and vis because you have visited more towns than an average lithuanian has in his life most probably yeah. like uh, <laughs> you definitely visited more places uh, <laughs> yeah. from all the places that you have visited uh, mm -hmm. Which ones did you enjoy the most and which of the places have surprised you the most, maybe? Well, of course, most interesting, 
places are Venus and the Conus for me. Um, except them, I kind of enjoyed Panavages also. And have you had the chance to go to the seaside? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yodokrant and Nida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're beautiful, like quite, quite comfortable there. And uh, for the people that uh, decide to learn difficult languages like you have, and uh, there are not many foreigners that learn Lithuanian. I have a couple mm -hmm. of students on italki because I also teach Lithuanian. And mm -hmm. uh, I know that there are not, uh, like, I definitely have more English students than I have Lithuanian students. But for the people that learn Lithuanian, could you give any tips on how to learn the language? What has helped you the most? And also, what was the most difficult parts of learning this language? Well, at first, I would say, start YouTube in Lithuania. That's number <laughs> one. <laughs> Actually, but I, but it it helps really a lot. I think it. I think starting YouTube was the start. Well, like doing YouTube in Lithuania is the best way to learn the language. I think one of the best ways, mm -hmm. and also. Singing, singing in Lithuanian helps a lot. You can you can learn the pronunciation, of course, and and phrases, words. Well, you can you can learn from the songs, the singing songs, and uh, what was that? What was another? What was the other question? The second part was, what was the most difficult for you? What ah, was the most difficult part? Well, it's, it's definitely accent. Ah, the, the pronunciation, not pronunciation, but the, the stresses. And stresses, the yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and uh, uh, does the Japanese language have uh, stresses or it's a new concept for you as a Japanese speaker? Well... We've got like in like um, various intonations. Um, for example, like um, if you if you say sake, this is mm -hmm. alcohol. But if you say sake, it's salmon. Ah, so you you have also. Uh, I know the Chinese language has tones, and mm -hmm. if you take Cantonese language or Vietnamese language, they also have different tones. So a rising mm -hmm. tone, a falling tone, a flat tone, and so on. So is it the same? No, actually, it's it's not that complicated, like in Chinese and uh, Vietnamese and so on. Yeah, it's quite simple. It's not really difficult. Only only a few words, only a few words uh, have such things. Mm -hmm. Well, in Lithuanian, we also have a few words that, uh, depending on the intonation or the, the stress, the word changes. Mm -hmm. uh, but the problem is that uh, the stressed vowel most of the time fluctuates when we conjugate or when we uh, go through different kind of cases and uh, when we declense, that the, the stress might move from the, from the middle mm -hmm. of the word to the back 
and uh, yeah. most of the time it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> it's, it doesn't have any <laughs> rules. Like it, it just yeah. does it. <laughs> yeah. So I understand. Yeah, and also for me, like spellings are kind of complicated in Lithuanian. Like if the accent comes at the end, for example, like 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 there is a about about sholei, you know. Mm-hmm. the stress comes maybe at, at at the end like a and then you pronounce like sholei but like, at first yeah yeah but at first i didn't know how to pronounce it so i was always saying that sholei yeah on the first yeah uh, on the first syllable yeah yeah because yeah because in spellings <laughs> it, it's written like ow so i thought it was pronounced in like like shaolay, but in real <laughs> but in reality like it's shaolay. So there is a, such a complication. What would help if is if we had uh, the stresses written in the words? So let's say there's the left or the right stress, you know, or or there's that small wave sometimes yeah. on uh, different kind of letters. But yeah. if we would write that, it would look very complicated because we already have uh, different kind of uh, letters that some Latin languages don't. So we have the mm-hmm. sh, z, uh, a long a, we have e. So probably putting even more symbols would uh, ma- make it look a little bit too much like Indian languages or something like that or Arabic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but yeah, and uh, so. How did you learn to learn these kind of different uh, pronunciations depending on the stress? Was it just a lot of listening and talking with people? And then while you talk, you kind of start correcting yourself? Or did you have another approach to learn the stresses in Lithuanian? Actually, I practiced, the st- I practiced stress. Well, of course, by singing, but also mm-hmm. mostly from from making YouTube videos. Um, ah. Yeah, at the beginning, I mostly uh, wrote scripts at first. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I also put stress on the script, mm-hmm. in the script. So by that way, I learned like uh, correct stresses. And I later, I... I you of course spoke to camera so by speaking you can learn that and then when you replay the video for yourself you can also listen to yourself and see yes um oh this word i actually i think that doesn't sound right maybe i mm-hmm. said it the wrong way so so yes. listening to yourself also i believe it's not a very common approach of learning mm-hmm. but i can I can imagine how helpful it can be. And did you have the same way of learning other languages? Let's say Ukrainian and Russian. Did you did you learn all the languages in the same way, or did you learn them differently somehow? Well, the difference is that I didn't make any videos in Ukraine and in Russian. So my Ukrainian and Russians are not that good, like Lithuanian. But still, when it when it comes to grammar pronunciation, it's not that difficult because I know Polish, so 
And it was a good thing that I started to learn these languages when I was young, so I yeah. could learn that faster. And how old are you now? I'm 30. Ah, just like me. So. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, of course, sometimes you can have it hard on yourself because I'm also learning uh, Portuguese and Russian now, and I would like my languages be, to be on a higher level than they are. Mm -hmm. But you know, yeah, languages take time and you have to like feel comfortable with that, that it takes time. And sometimes you don't learn as fast as you would like to. And, and, and it's normal, it's part of learning. So for the people, let's say who today, or maybe in the future decides to learn Japanese, let's say, let's say I decide yeah. to learn Japanese uh, because I mm -hmm. always wanted to learn. So let's mm -hmm. say I, I want to start tomorrow or today. Uh, what kind of advice as a Japanese speaker uh, could you mm -hmm. give me? Well, at first I would say find your friends from Japan. I think it's, okay. it's, it's also, it's also really important. Actually, when I study a language, a new language, I always start, start to find, uh, find someone to talk with, mm -hmm. then you can, you can practice like, uh, you can get practical, like, uh, quite practical, like, uh, how can I say, well, you can have practice, you know, right away mm -hmm. with the native Yeah, and uh, you can keep, you can keep your motivation. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's the most important at first. And then, like, well, actually, like other language, like other languages, you have to, um, I don't know, like, there is no, like, any specific practice for Japanese, I think. Mm -hmm. Simply, you have to, you have to start from learning phrases and then you have to you and you use these phrases in conversation with uh, with native people mm -hmm. and when you when you when you ha can't have conversations with them you have to practice like by singing or just speaking to yourself mm -hmm. or maybe you can make videos <laughs> Yeah. For like, yeah, I think you can you can make videos like f f uh, of your country, for example, in Japanese, and mm -hmm. uh, I think lots of Japanese people would watch w will watch that because you know, you know the population is quite big <laughs> in our country, so yeah. there must be some uh, such people. Cool. So. Yeah. In this kind of way, this is very unconventional, I would say, because uh, let's say more conventional advices would be like print 1000 main words and start learning 10 a day, right? Or, you mm -hmm. know, something like that. Uh, but, but this is very different kind of uh, examples. But when it comes to the written uh, form of mm -hmm. Japanese, uh -huh. I know that maybe, maybe it's not as, uh, crazy when you start learning to speak.
but mm-hmm. reading Japanese might become a little bit problematic because you have mm-hmm. hiragana, you have yeah. katakana, and you also have kanji. Yes. So mm-hmm. would there be any uh, good advice from you when you think about uh, reading Japanese? Where should you start? I think it's better to start at the same time, all three, I think. Because it's hard to find script, it's hard to find a script, uh, for example, which were which which are written in only in hiragana or something katakana kanji. Usually, all of them, all all of all of those alphabets are used in the at the same used at the same time. So why do you have so many different kind of alphabets? Well, as far as I know, like at first there it was writ- it, w- it only kanji was used, but later um, they they made their own alphabets from kanji. Maybe I think just mm-hmm. to read easier for them for people at that time. So the best way would be to learn all three at once because uh, all of all three of them are used in daily written Japanese language. Yes, yes. yes. Well, I don't know if it's if it's a right right thing so because I remember that when I was 7 years old, I I I still couldn't write my name in hiragana correctly. I was not good at it, like at the, at, the, at the first. And also, I couldn't read any Japanese books when I was mm-hmm. young, like until 10 or something, maybe. I was kind of stupid, one of the stupidest, mm-hmm. maybe, <laughs> pupils. Well, for Japanese people, for Japanese children, yeah, it's it's quite hard, so... But if you say that you were not so bright when you were a kid, then how did you learn all these other languages later? Pro- probably, probably you were bright, definitely. Maybe you just had it harder a little bit uh, in the beginning of school because, uh, you know, the education system uh, mm-hmm. is like learning one way everything. Mm-hmm. So the same way for everyone. So it doesn't matter what kind of person you are in the mm-hmm. education system, because I, I worked as a teacher in schools as well for two years. And I, I felt that, you know, you have a class of students and you cannot uh, teach everyone individually. You can help mm-hmm. a little bit, but the, the same techniques apply to everyone. But like from what you have said, your way of learning languages uh, are, is different from other people's ways of learning languages. And this way for you works because you were you were actually able to speak. So mm-hmm. so so I I think it it wasn't that you were not that bright. It's that you just had uh, a different way of learning. Let's say. Well, I don't I don't I don't think I don't think I was bright because like mm, when I had a Japanese classes, I always got but scores every time because I, I i really had a problem with reading in reading japanese books i really couldn't 
understand what was written in books. So I, I had a, I had such problems until when I was twelve or thirteen, I think. You know, uh, you got you've got textbooks at school, like Japanese textbooks, and I mm-hmm. and I didn't totally understand what was written. But uh, but when I was at junior high school, I got into reading, actually, Wikipedia, actually. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. It was quite interesting for me that I could, I could know lots of things about the world, about anything. I was quite curious person. And I, at that time, I really read a lot of articles on Wikipedia. And I think by that, I think I've learned how to read in Japanese and learned lots of words, kanjis, of course. Yeah, I think it was that good thing yeah from mm-hmm. my interest i learned how to read in japanese and then i started also from that yeah from that time i started to also read books mm-hmm. well that also shows that l- learning a language should be interesting because yes. uh, if it's not interesting if it's boring you will not be able to learn. You will not remember. You will not be engaged. And, you know, it's like uh, your brain does not accept new information. It doesn't take yes. it in. So so thank God for the internet and Wikipedia and, uh, yeah, yeah. and for you for being curious. Yes. And I wonder, I have visited Japan once. Uh, mm-hmm. I had visited uh, Osaka and Kyoto and... Uh, I met quite a few Japanese people and, uh, you know, when you go to Japan for the first time as a tourist, of course, it's a different feeling than when you live there, uh, let's say, as a local person or even as an expat. And uh, I wonder, uh, are all Japanese people like you, like uh, curious, interested, uh, traveling, wanting to learn about different cultures, wanting to learn about different languages? Well, I would say most of Japanese people are reserved and not really curious about other cultures. Um, um, a, few, a few months ago, I, I, read, I, I read an article that's, uh, which was saying that only... 20% of Japanese population has passport. Wow. Only okay. 20. Yeah, we've got like, uh, how many people here? I think 100... 128 million. Yes, yeah, 122 million people. And only 20%. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So most people, that means most people are have never been abroad and actually I feel that lots of people are not really curious about other countries actually and uh, most Japanese people you know can't speak English Mm -hmm. but I think it's also part of uh, Japanese history because uh, Japanese uh, people like uh, in different kind of uh, ages and eras 
tried to kind of keep foreign influence away, uh, whether mm -hmm. it be a Chinese influence, whether it be a European, whether it be a American influence. So they try to preserve their way of life and uh, they try to preserve their culture, their identity. And uh, maybe it's kind of the same mentality from those days. It's maybe like self-protection in some ways, uh, protecting your own identity as a Japanese person. So mm -hmm. is it more this or people are just not very interested in the world outside of Japan? Well, I think for most Japanese people, their world is just created in only in Japan. Like for mm -hmm. them, uh, foreign countries are quite far away from for them because they yeah. they have to use always planes, ships, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I also felt such such a feeling uh, when I was younger, like before I went to Poland for me like foreign countries are kind of going to foreign country for going abroad is kind of dream like uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I thought I have to pay a lot of money I always thinking like only like uh, people having lots of money can go abroad so like yeah. uh, like I think for most Japanese people, like there is a quite tall, like high wall, like like uh, mm -hmm. in front of them, and like they think it's hard to go to foreign countries. Yeah, they they think they have to pay a lot of money, and it's not really easy to go. Maybe it it can it can be a reason. And also, be, also, this is because they can't speak English. So yeah, like there is a quite a big barrier in front of them. Mm -hmm. And and is it that expensive? And is it that difficult uh, to go abroad, as some people might think? Yeah, they think. Yeah, they think like that. But in reality, you know, it's not that hard. And in my workplace also, like people, like other other coworkers say that, oh, you've been you've been to you've been abroad, and they 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 get surprised always, <laughs> like yeah, like and if you if you speak English, like they they are like their reaction is like, wow, you can speak English, wow, you're so smart, is like like that. So so how do people react? Uh, when you tell the stories from like visiting all these different kind of places and uh, sharing your experience, well, most of them actually like uh, have got good impressions about like positive, like they mm -hmm. they quite um, how can I say they are quite um, curious about that mostly like what's happening there what it looks like or something like that but mm -hmm. they they but they think that it's it's kind of for them still a dream and how do people in japan see foreigners 
because I think uh, Japan is one of the most homogenous countries in the world because uh, 98%, at least according to demographics, 98% of the country is uh, Japanese or at least identifies as Japanese. Mm -hmm. And the rest 2% are uh, a minority of Chinese, Korean, and also uh, maybe some Europeans as well. So, but 98%, that's, uh, that's very, very homogenous. And mm -hmm. uh, how do people see foreigners living in Japan? Well, it, it really, I think it really depends on if, if foreigners can speak Japanese or not. If they, if they, if mm -hmm. they speak Japanese really well, like Japanese people, like Mm -hmm. The Japanese people usually um, get along well with them, like 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 they do with Japanese people. But if they <laughs> can't speak English, well, some people are, of course, quite friendly, but some people are not really like kind of afraid to speak with them, to talk with them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they they usually don't really really reject uh, like they see foreigners like 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 they they will i think most people treat treat foreigners like japanese people just mm -hmm. only like it depends on like it depends on their japanese language skill so if you if you already know japanese and then you go mm -hmm. to japan most probably you will be able to make friends and, you know, integrate yes. yourself into yes, yes. Japanese society. Yeah. Actually, at my, for example, at my workplace, my co most of my co-workers, actually, all of my co-workers come speak English, except me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes there's, there, there were co-workers from South Korea, and China actually, there were, mm -hmm. and they spoke Japanese very well. Then my coworkers actually got along well with them because those these for those foreigners could the, those coworkers from foreign countries could speak Japanese well. So like they mm -hmm. they they always talked with them like like they Japanese they do with Japanese people. Uh, but if you come to Japan without knowing Japanese, mm -hmm. you might have a little bit more of a difficult time. So you yeah. would probably have to spend a lot of time learning the language. And uh, if you want to actually make friends and integrate, um, mm -hmm. pro probably it would be as hard as it was for you when you first came to Poland in some yeah, ways. I think like, so, yeah. And what about your experience of uh, going abroad and living? Uh, because you also mentioned that you lived in Poland for four years. So it means you came back after and then you stayed there as a, just as an expat living there. Well, most of the time living abroad is, was really good. And, um, well, good things was that, um, Lots of Polish, most of Polish people were quite friendly 
and treat me very well like like <laughs> like 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 they do with Polish people quite hospital uh, hospitable people actually <laughs> and um so living in Poland was really interesting and uh, I, I, I got lots of good memories from, from that. But things uh, mm, I had a difficulty with um, visa like permission mm. to stay. Yeah, it really? was for me, yeah, for me it was the biggest problem. Uh well getting getting a visa at an embassy in Japan was quite easy, but when it comes when I tried to get a permission in Poland, like it was quite hard. I I applied and then I had to wait for a year. Even for a year and uh, half a year, I didn't have any visa. But you didn't get into any problems there without living without a visa. Luckily, everything went right. Yes, because when I didn't have a visa, uh, actually, I got a stamp on my passport that mm -hmm. I'm waiting for a visa. So, yeah, I didn't have any problem with that. But, yeah. Well, thank God. Thank God. I hope the other, if you ever decide uh, to live in any other foreign country in the future, the process will be easier. Well, actually, there was a time when I, tr when I tried to live in Poland for the third time. It was in 2018. Okay. And um, I, I tried to live there with working holiday visa, which... Mm -hmm in which you can just work or just you can just enjoy the life there you ha you don't need to go to school you don't need to work like just 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 like a holiday holiday visa and uh i right. i looked for yeah and i looked for a flat in warsaw but i couldn't find any because the owners didn't want to rent flat to foreigners i i i said i looked for the i looked for a flat like for for more than three or four weeks and i couldn't find any in which city was it warsaw so it's the capital warsaw yeah, yeah. hmm that's very interesting because most of the time the capitals are the most international places and yeah. uh, well you might think that an international place is open for international people so yeah, it it's very interesting that yeah it's crazy and i well, and I, and, I, and when i was a, a college a university student i i lived in poznan which is in the western part of poland it's not capital and in poznan i could easily quite easily find a flat but in warsaw no right and uh, when we think about your future uh well now i know that you're currently back home in osaka and mm -hmm. uh you you're you're staying here for now uh do you have any plans of uh, maybe moving abroad once again uh, and uh, if not uh, 
what, what are your plans? Uh, what would you like to do in the future? Are there any languages that you would like to learn? Maybe some projects that you would like to start? Uh, what do you feel like you would like to do in the upcoming years? Well, for now, I don't have any plans to live, out, live abroad. I think until the age of um, 34 or 5, I want to develop my YouTube channel more. Mm -hmm. So I think I'll, I'll work on it like more, harder and so on. And I think also I'm going to learn some language, a new language, new languages. Okay. Well, I wish you good luck. I wish you well. And I hope that you, you will be able to find the time and find the energy because, um, you know, unfortunately, it's not like we just learn a language and it stays like this, you know, mm -hmm. it would be very good. I would be very happy. But uh, unfortunately, we need to put some time and effort to keep it like uh, on the same level. Because mm -hmm. uh, as they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. So it's uh, a lot of work to actually maintain the languages. Well, actually, for now, I'm not really thinking about like maintaining a language level. Well, I said I'm, I'm going to study like those languages for those four languages, mm -hmm. but I, I'm, I'm just going to study those languages just for, just for like keeping my brain healthy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I, and I also want, just want to travel to those countries, uh, where those languages are spoken. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mentioned about Georgian, Armenian, Hebrew. You know, they, they've got a, a other alphabets. True. And, uh, and uh, if you can't read, you can't really, like, travel farther in those countries. So, I, actually, I'm into those countries. So, I want to explore, like, farther in those countries. So, so I, I'm just going to learn this language just for traveling very good very good well i i hope that you will be able to uh learn them and uh, you're a real example of a person that you know uh some language learners uh would like to be you know you take mm -hmm. a difficult language and you learn it then you go and visit those countries you speak with people that's the goal of many language learners i believe so yeah. I'm very happy that you decided to join our today's talk and add some more information about you as a person, about how you learn languages, uh, about sharing some ideas for other people, uh, because mm -hmm. you mentioned some things that some of language learners might have never even considered of trying to, to do to get better at learning a foreign language. So yeah, mm -hmm. uh, many thanks, Kotaro. Thanks for joining. Yeah, for me also, really, it was enjoyable. Thank you.